I mean, you know, there are some things that yes, you you they they are you know, irrefutable. They they are on your desk, but surprisingly few, very few of us are you know turning on the light switch at the at the place by ourselves. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. So my guest on today's episode of the Inspire Podcast is Shubayan Sanatini. Uh, did I get it right on the pronunciation? Um, Sanatani. Sanatani. Shubayan Sanatani. And, and yeah. we'll go with Shu. I understand, you know, that's, that's kind of uh, the go-to for names. So Shu, you, you're impressively credentialed. So you're the division head of pediatric cardiology at BC Children's Hospital. And you're also a professor of pediatrics at the University of British Columbia. So Shu, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. When we got to talking about leadership and communication and what it takes to lead today, I think we had you know this really interesting discussion in, in preparation for today that um, your your practice, your research, you know, which largely focuses on on children, has, has led you to some real conclusions for that people today need to to take to heart around energy that came out of you know some perhaps more narrow research, but I think are really relevant now. I mean, we know we're. Hopefully, I say we're coming out of the pandemic. We're recording this in May of 2022, and you know, barring some new variant, let's let's hope that we're going to kind of continue with this slow march to some semblance of normalcy. But I also think you know people and and our clients, people who listen to this, are burnt out. They spent two years you know dealing with everything from Zoom fatigue to incredible disruptive change. They're tired. They're low on energy. And um, and yet they keep pushing through. And I, I see statistics that middle managers in particular are at their, you know, just depleted. And so when when you were talking with me about energy and energy management, I just thought, you know, got to get you on the pod because there's research there and practical things um, to talk about. So maybe as a starting point, we can just go to that research and tell me a bit about the research that you did on fatigue and exercise intolerance and some of the what you saw and some of the conclusions you began to draw from that, and then we can take it to implications for people listening. Yeah, I'm I'm primarily a clinician still, uh, despite you know wearing a few different hats. The, the the bulk of my time is spent looking after patients, and I see a lot of adolescents and pre-adolescents, and even before COVID, we we observed patterns that about one in three people faint, which is that you know very common. So it's a very common problem. But what we started observing is that uh, of those, a good percentage, perhaps as many as a quarter of them, would actually go on to develop much more extensive symptoms and quite debilitating symptoms. And early in that experience, I I lumped this as a, a diagnosis of something called dysautonomia, where basically your, your autonomic nervous system, so the everything everything that's not under your voluntary conscious control mm-hmm. is controlled by your autonomic nervous system. And, and many people will be familiar with the concept of fight or flight, you know, you, how you can, you know, the, the mother who can, you know, lift a, 
a car from her, her child or, you know, how you can run faster in a race than you, you do. But, but similarly, the rest side of that equation. So it's not always fight or flight. And it was interesting to read recently, in fact, that COVID, you know, COVID has touched everything. And, and sure enough, there's an article about COVID causing autonomic dysfunction. Hmm. So people that, you know, perhaps some of this long COVID is a dysfunction of this very important hmm. nervous system that, that's in the background. And so what we, what we did is we started working with these teenagers, uh, you know, in a more formal setting. And, uh, you know, I give credit to many, many people here. I'm just the, I'm just the, the spokesperson, but Dr. Katie Armstrong runs our dysautonomia clinic and we've been generously supported by the foundation. And so we've learned a lot about this, this group of youngsters who are really struggling with fatigue and dizziness. There's a, you know, a need to withdraw from school in some cases. Hmm. Uh, there's a, quite a significant overlay of, of mental health issues, uh, anxiety. And we continue to work in this area to really try and get to understand why, you know, for many people, this phase of life is so challenging. And what did you find? What was causing this? Well, I don't know that we have identified the, the it factor per se, but certainly... You mean there might be a multi-part answer in medicine? Come on. <laughs> Where's the simplicity that I want? <laughs> there, 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 there may be more than, than one thing. So, you know, what we do with these, these families, especially the, the, the teens, is we really, we go through something that I term the adolescent energy inventory, a um, bit of a mouthful for really just getting to know the child and mm -hmm. really just doing a bit more of a deep dive on how they're spending their brain energy in particular. So what are some of the questions you ask them? Well, one of the, one of the things I like to, I, we, we always talk about sleep. I think sleep is one, mm -hmm. of, the, one of the few things that we know uh, has an important role in restoring energy uh, and providing some recovery. And mm -hmm. that is when you know, that you're, you're doing a lot of your growing overnight. That's where the growth hormone comes in. You know, and I, I simplistically think that's also probably when you're sorting out some of the day's input, sure. you know, figuring out where to store your, your math assignment and how to resolve your, your argument with your friends. Mm -hmm. The other thing we talk about is, is social media. Hmm. And, and, and social media, is, it's, a, it's just a part of our society now. It's no longer an, an extra right. curricular. But there, there's different ways of engaging with it. And, you know, in some of these, some of these teens who are you know, posting videos on TikTok or, or really have quite a, you know, an Instagram presence, they're using a lot of energy hmm. to do that. And they don't, they don't necessarily even think of it as energy no. because it's their norm. And, uh, you know, certainly I, I find, you know, if I, if I'm sitting there and, you know, I, I do have a bit of a guilty pleasure of Twitter at times, <laughs> um, but there's very little else that I can concentrate on and it, and it, right. it and it is sort of exhausting. Hmm. So we, we really go through in, in quite a bit of detail. And, and, and I like to also get into things like how, you know, how are they doing with their relationships? Hmm. Uh, because, because adolescence is a time where you quite naturally, you need to separate from your parents and you're, you're assessing a peer group that is changing as rapidly as you, you yourself are. So it's, it's a really, really tricky time. And, you know, we, we focus on the, on, 
sleep and mindfulness and exercise and, and, and all the things that we know to be, to be motherhood sort of values and, and, and advice. But it has to be made, you know, it has to be made in a practical way for the teenager. And what would you say when you go through this list of questions, you know, social media use, energy, sleep, social interactions, what are some of the big conclusions or big ob- maybe observations first that you've drawn in the last couple of years? Because, you know, I'm, as I'm listening to you talk about these things, I'm thinking, hmm, you know, these are all things that we as adults know, you know, are not just motherhood, but they're also important. So I'm, I'm wondering what you found. Uh, there's almost always an aha moment for the family. I, I really, I really focus on the, the child doing the talking and the analysis, but they're often doing a lot more than they, they realize. And, hmm. you know, so they're, you know, apart from just the, the biological maturation, what, you know, what I call, you know, turning into the valedictorian. So the, the difference between a, you know, a 10 or 11 year old and a 17, 18 year old is evident by, you know, a valedictorian kind of speech. So right. that that brain maturation is happening in the background. And then they're doing so many things on top of it, be it athletics, scholarly work, social, you know, social relationships. And then some kids have additional challenges. You know, I don't I don't want to knock the school system, but the school system doesn't necessarily make it easy if you're a little bit different in your learning pathway. So if you if you have dyslexia or a different type of learning uh, challenge, then you're you're actually spending even more energy to to keep up. It's almost like swimming in a current. And so there's a very high response rate on people actually spending a lot more time on their academic, you know, keeping keeping abreast of their academic achievement. And there's almost always uh, tensions that the child will talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there really is a lot going on. And these consults, uh, you know, they're 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 pretty time consuming, mm-hmm. and then you know, people, again, people probably wonder, you know, what's the cardiologist doing with this? What what really looks to be more of a you know a counseling appointment, right. but but you know, they've they've ended up in my office for a reason, and so we want to we want to help them on that journey. And, and so, as you draw from the the work that you've done and the Energy management, like, because I know when we spoke, you said, look, there's real implications for adults, too. What would you say the implications of this work are? Well, I think, I think slowly what I'm, what I'm learning, as you alluded to, is that this, this energy balance is probably happening for all of us. And, you know, I have a, a professional coach for my, my work roles, and and they often will say, you know, you, you live pretty close to the edge. Hmm. And, you know, I think, I think especially people in, in medical leadership and in other, uh, other types of organizational roles, there is this undercurrent in the background, this sort of energy consumption that we're not always aware of. Okay, tell me more about that. Well, I don't necessarily let go of work or leave it behind nearly as well as I did before I was, you know, in charge. Hmm. And, and, and that's not for, you know, it's not for lack of awareness of the importance of disconnecting. And it's just, I mean, on the, on the one hand, there's a very real 
occasional phone calls at night or, or interruptions, right. you know, this is, this is something that's come up. But it's also this, I think because the number of problems and, and challenges, first of all, is, is large, but there's, there's almost this constant work going on in the background to, well, what are we going to do about, about this? And let, even if everything, let's say everything is going beautifully and, you know, and you have a, you know, a dream team and, and you know, no issues, there, just the, the responsibility to keep the team moving forward and to, and to make progress is there. And so it is that sort of responsibility that I think is a, is a quiet energy drain in the background for most of us. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There was a, uh, listen to the Ezra Klein podcast, great New York Times journalist. And there was a, someone he had on a while ago, I forget who, I'll have to look it up. But he talked about the concept of the hyperactive hive mind as being the dominant way we work now, which is, you know, whether through email or Slack or text, we are always plugged into this, you know, brain of collective. And you never have the differentiation and the delineation between work and not work. So to your point, you are always the energy is it may not always be gushing, but it's always flowing and and it can be exhausting. And I know a lot of people who have worked through COVID and maybe aren't in surgery, but they've gone from, okay, so, th- so they've gone from in-person work to fully virtual work. They'll describe how the meetings are just stacked one after the other, after the other, after the other. And doing Zoom is already more tiring than being in person. And so they, they complain of not having energy, that it's just a drain. So it sounds like what you're, so all that resonates with me. It sounds like you're, you're really saying, we have to be mindful of the fact that we are burning energy constantly and that this can not only make us fatigue, but even impact our health and life. Is that, is that right? Oh, absolutely. I, I think you've, you've captured it exactly there. We were talking recently, we had mentioned we had a, an in-person medical conference mm-hmm. recently and it was, you know, after the initial uh, sort of adjustment uh, it, it was wonderful to mm-hmm. be together, and I and I I observed interactions. Particularly, I, I'm thinking of a lunch that we had, and the and the conversation, the way it flowed between. I think there were about six or seven of us, but the way the conversation flowed and the way that we were able to advance the topic was so much more natural than than the Zoom. You know where. Right where people are, you know, constantly, you know, you're muted. Right. Uh, two people start talking at the same time. You, you, you don't realize that there, you know, there's a whole second page of people that are right, on the call. Right. It's, you know, we've done a good job at, at picking up a new skill. Uh, that skill I think is very, is very draining. You know, we probably accomplished, you know, what, you know, yes. in a, over a lunch, what would have been, you know, a couple hours on zoom. That's right. That's right. It is. I mean, I had the same experience. I went to my first conference and it was just amazing, you know, being in person and so much happens. You can be productive on Zoom, but it takes, as you said, it's a new skill. It demands energy more than you. And then you also aren't restored uh, in the way that you are when you're actually around people. Um, so, I know, you know, when we think about leaders and I know, you know, so leaders are drained and, and people are just exhausted. The demands are higher. What uh, and then the impacts, you know, their ability to recharge with things like exercise or, or time and commute are gone. So let let's maybe take this into, you know, I won't 
call this a medical opinion because I know here, as you said, you're you're really not perhaps a counselor, but we'll we'll get you to do a little un unsanctioned counseling here. So you've got people listening who are saying, all right, yeah, I'm tired. I've been on this treadmill. I'm exhausted and I don't see any way off and I'm going to burn out and either quit or get sick or just my performance will suffer. So what would you advise them to do? What's the first thing they should do? Well, I, I think the first step is to pick up on the cues and, you know, and to, to give yourself permission to, to have those feelings and, and the cues are going to come a lot from, you know, within to that, you know, my, my workout didn't feel as good or boy, I was a little, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't perfect in my conversation with that coworker. You know, there, there will be little cues of irritability or, or lethargy. Hmm. And I think those are a, an early, you know, the canary in the coal mine, they're really a, an early warning that you need to give yourself permission first to, to pause and say, you know, where, where am I at? Hmm. And, you know, all of us have this this mantra of you know, soldier on and the mm-hmm. you know, the you know, tough it out, mm-hmm. and, keep you know, going, uh, keep it going, and all these sort of you know, and you know, slogans that are that are not necessarily productive because your your performance probably deteriorates as you as you keep forcing yourself. So the first thing is really just you know, take pause and, and acknowledge where you're at and and it's absolutely okay you have to give yourself permission to not be hard on yourself you know to it, it's uh, very easy to to feel like no one else is having this problem right. and, it's, it's me and, you know and you know it's one of the things i say to the the teenagers who who are in my clinic they often feel like they've been on their own journey hmm. uh, and i reassure them and i say you know i i see this a lot hmm. but, you know i'm seeing this several times a you know a week if not you know several times a day in some clinics so and is that surprising to them i think it's i don't think it's surprising once they've uh, acknowledged what what it is we're talking about you know because they some of them come and they think they have some rare mysterious you know horrible condition right and so there's some relief of course but it you know especially high school and, and probably and probably these middle managers, you, you're looking you're looking at the person next to you and say, well, they they seem a lot better off than I do, mm. and uh, and that's not always the case, you know, when when one doesn't necessarily know how they're how they they're doing. So you mentioned some of those cues, those early cues. I said, you know, they're canary in the coal mine. What happens when the canary keels over and it's getting worse? Like what what should you be looking for to say you've got to do something here? Your energy is just not where it needs to be. I think even this the concept of taking, you know, stepping back and taking inventory of what you're what you're doing. We talk about delegation as a very necessary skill to mm-hmm. you know, to survive in leadership. And are there things that you can or cannot either slow down, ask for extensions or or flat out give up? Mm-hmm. There's this sense of, you know, well, if I say no to this, then uh, I may not get another opportunity or I'm letting a lot of people down. But ultimately, it might actually serve your team to know that, yes, you are human. And also to to know that the shared, you know, the shared work may actually help advance the team better as your partners pick up a little bit of your of your mantle. You know, I think it they will gain 
they will gain a better understanding of how to support you. And you'll, you'll, you'll hopefully get a bit of, you know, you know, a little bit of reprieve from some of the things. I mean, you know, there are some things that, yes, you, you, they, they are you know, irrefutable. They, they are on your desk. Right. But, but surprisingly few, right. you know, there very few of us are, you know, turning on the, turning on the light switch at the, at the place That's right. ourselves. Right. Yeah. So giving, so I think, okay, so step one is to really, um, recognize that you are on the treadmill, recognize that you are irritable or without enough energy or not recharging and to give yourself permission to say, Hey, this is happening. It's real. Step two. Now you've mentioned, you've used this phrase, taken, taken inventory. Tell me what that means. Just elaborate on that for me. Well, I think, you know, there's, like the teenager, there's so many things that we're doing. I mean, we're not we're not necessarily growing or completely rewiring our brains, but we're you know we're probably maybe doing the other thing, which is aging and right. accepting you know new new norms. Um, but there, you know, right from the right from the morning sort of routine of, of you know getting your your kids out the door or uh, you know the relationships we deal with within a family are you know pretty complicated at times. And then you're you're putting on a certain persona at work. So mm-hmm. all of these sort of all of these things that we don't necessarily put you know conscious thought into, uh, they're still taking some energy. Mm-hmm. And so almost everything is extracting energy. There's only mm-hmm. really there's really just sleep and nutrition that are somewhat mm-hmm. restorative. And we know I that think, people aren't getting sleep because of, you know, screens and interrupted sleep and, and other things. So even that's not where people need it to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm sure that, you know, a, a podcast just about sleep is, is in, the, in the making. So there's this sort of, again, this, this unrecognized drain of things that this is just, you know, this is just the, the price of doing my mm. job. And so... You know, I, I, I feel mindfulness is probably, I don't know if it actively adds energy back in, but I think it, it slows the, it slows the consumption. And so, uh, so those are sort of the three things, you know, you got to, what's your sleep like? What's your nutrition like? And what's your, what's your, when are you taking actual, when is the brain winding down? Yeah. Exercise is another thing. I think that it it uses energy, but it probably, it, it probably return some yes so As a, I, think it, right, I, I think we're both endurance athletes right we're both junkies for it i mean i find you know you go out there's nothing more it's kind of paradoxical right but there's nothing more recharging for me than going out on my bike for four hours <laughs> you come back yeah. come back physically drained and mentally recharged <laughs> it's weird but even there you have to be a bit cautious uh you know uh, that if you're if you're if you don't have the energy to recover and, mm-hmm. and recharge that too can start, you know, adding yes. to the drain and be a, you know, a net, a net negative. So, you know, really just taking a good look at, at things in the, not just at the, at the office, but in your personal hmm. life, I think are, are incredibly important, uh, you know, for, for parents getting the, getting a break from, from that, you know, constant, you know, the constant vigilance that parents have over their kids. If I have to mediate um, one more crisis between my 
you know, my three children, <laughs> I feel like, you know, and they none of my leadership communication training works on them. <laughs> That's for sure. They're, they're yeah, just, no, you know, that, that, that manual has not been no. uh, written yet. Maybe that'll be the Humphrey Group's next, next course, Parenting as a Leader. <laughs> so, so once you've done this inventory, okay, so step one is give yourself permission. You're on the treadmill. Step two is do the inventory. What then? What's, What's step three? Give, give me the solution. Give everyone listening the solution. <laughs> well, here it, here it is, and I guess the first step, uh, you know, the, the first step towards the solution is acknowledging that you have an issue hmm. and that that it's not it's not going to go away just by you know suck it up and this is going to hmm. pass. Hmm. You've got to you've got to change something up. And you don't, you don't have to change something up forever, but you have to change something in the moment to prevent further deterioration. And, and that, I think, is the hard part because our mindset is often, you know, well, I'm juggling a lot right now. With the, you know, we're getting near the end of the quarter or I have these things that I don't usually have. The reality is there's always something of that nature and urgency and importance. Uh, and it, you know, that's why it's a treadmill. It's, hmm. There's always, you know, it, it's going to keep coming. So to allow yourself to recognize that, yes, your circumstances right now are heavy and they, that's where you are right now. And this is, this is the time that you're struggling. And so you do need to step back hmm. and being comfortable with stepping back, I think is one of the real challenges. And when one is one is landed in the leadership position because you know at least one person probably thought you you had some skills that you you were worthy of that but it's also you know it's also a skill to know when you have to you know step back from the edge of it and so it's it's i don't know that it's a learned learned skill externally it's i think it's an internal uh, an internal process so it, Nonetheless, you know, give yourself give yourself the per- permission to change something, or, or or you know, acknowledge that you need to change something. And then, I don't think it has to be reactionary. I don't think it means you need to quit your re- leadership role. I don't think it means you need a new career. Um, you definitely don't need to restructure your family. But it might be something as simple as you know what we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have dinner without our technology. Uh, two times a week because I feel like the house has been not a settling place for me. Right, and it really comes down to owning owning it, mm-hmm. and it's you know sort of from a from a I place. So you know, I'm finding it hard to to feel good without my 30 minutes of walk. So I know, like I I when I come home, I know people are expecting me, but I I I need to have that time. So you know, really being comfortable to take some of that time back. I like it. And, and I like the fact that the framework of energy, you know, whether it's, you know, sleeping better, eating better, um, you know, moving. And actually uh, there's a good friend of mine who came on this podcast many years ago. Um, if you know, Dr. Greg Wells. I know the name. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a, he's got a method around eat, sleep, move better. So I, I feel like you guys are at some point I should connect you, but yeah, you know, finding when you do that inventory, being able to find ways to then, as you said, not fundamentally redo your life. But, you know, I just think my wife and I, we a month ago, we decided we're going to 
the pandemic had changed our device use in in our bedroom. And we just said, you know what, we're going to we're going to stop doing devices in the bedroom. And it was really nice to just get back to reading books again. Um, yeah. And you're talking, of course, about electronic uh, communication devices. Yes. When you're talking about devices. In the bedroom. Well, of course, you what else? Do, what else would we be talking about here? <laughs> this is the Inspire podcast. This is good, clean leadership development. <laughs> so what, you know, when you when you work with kids on or when you when you advise people on, you know, how to give up things that they found in their inventory or draining their energy or not restoring their energy. Obviously, it's easy to say, you know, take an extra walk, have dinners without technology. What do you think people need to be aware of? Because change is not easy. Um, I know I was at a conference, the conference I went to, someone from Harvard was speaking and she said, you know, they've done studies on immunity to change and find that, you know, when doctors give patients advice that they have to change their diet or lifestyle. Only one in seven does. Uh, so so what's the thing that people should be aware of that will help them get through that natural resistance to change? It really needs to be, uh, like I think it needs to be small and, and very tangible, very mm-hmm. concrete, and probably and ideally something that you set a time frame mm-hmm. around. So for example, you know, I, I myself, you know, I, I agreed to lead a committee that you know was doing work that I really valued and felt was important, and it was at a time where there there was just too much on my plate. Mm-hmm. And I stepped back from that committee, but I said, you know, I I want you to reach out to me again in you know in in a year hmm. because I would like to be you know I'd like to see where I am at that point. But I you know I want to you know I need to clear clear the the decks right now, mm-hmm. um, and and so it. it it makes it easier for me. It made it easier to to not be a feel like I was completely abandoning right. something that I that I valued. And so, you know, a year is sort of a long time frame. But it might be, you know, let's do this for a month. It, it could be. It might be, you know, for the next week. Right. I'm doing this. So, so you can then, almost do little some, experiments where you try yeah. it out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and and when we're counseling the the teams we have a communication system with them. So mm. there is some, some accountability for the, you, for the adults that are changing things. There's no reason you can't set up mm. that accountability with your friend or your, your partner or your kids, your kids are right. <laughs> they they can, know, oh, they love to hold you accountable. <laughs> kids love to tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> your kids are better at keeping track of totally. your behavior than anyone else. So I know um, it. You know, and then and then they they also I think they get to see you also as a as a real person, right? As human, uh, you know. So um, so there's lots of ways, but yeah, build in some some real timelines are the are the key, I think. And I, and I like having a group that can that can hold you the task for it. So, well, shoot, shoot, this is great. I mean, what I'm taking away from today is you know are a couple things. You know, first. Um, There's never been more energy (laughs) being pulled from us and and really in ways that we may not realize. Like, you know, there's the you may be doing the same job that you're doing, but Zoom is sucking your energy. The demands of work are sucking your energy. The stress of the pandemic, all of these things, you're probably spending a ton more energy than you think. And that can have an impact on your on your performance, your health. So. The, the solution I'm hearing is first, recognize it, acknowledge it, 
Don't hide from it. It's normal. Second, do that inventory to understand where your energy is going. And third, figure out some really not life-changing decisions, but things you can tangibly do to start reclaiming some of your energy or recharging. Those are that's what I'm taking away. Is that anything you'd add to that? Did I get did I get it right? <laughs> I, I think you captured it beautifully and uh and it's it's not a one and done sort of situation because you know, stuff can you know you take a bit of a break and then you get back in and, and stuff stuff can come up again. And so this is sort of an you know an ongoing an ongoing opportunity to make sure you're spending a good energy on the things that are most important mm-hmm. to you. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's such a limited commodity. So spend, build it and then spend it right. Uh, and for leaders now, you know, with the, the world we live in, things are changing so fast. I think it's just great advice. So I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, uh, and sharing your, your wisdom with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, nice to interact with the Humphrey group again and, and, uh, maybe we'll hope, uh, hope. maybe we'll include this in the next physician leadership, and you can be a you know from graduate to to uh, thought leadership expert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Love it. Okay, take care. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Doctor Sanatani. Uh, some really fascinating insights into how we as leaders need to be self-aware about our energy, about what uh, we have to do to be present, healthy, and be able to lead sustainably. So um, kind of underpins all the work that we've been doing. And I know there's a lot there I'll be implementing in my own life. Next time on the podcast, I'm joined by two leaders at Dress for Success Vancouver. Uh, Natasha Irvine and Amy Robichaud. And if you don't know Dress for Success, it's a pretty impressive charity who is best known for providing outfits to women uh, as they get back into the workforce, hence the name, but really has expanded its impact so broadly into providing training, services, and support. The Humphrey Group's been a proud partner with Dress for Success. So Amy and Natasha joined me from Dress for Success Vancouver to talk about a program called the Ambassador Program, which really empowers women who have been through Dress for Success to tell their stories. So it's a look at storytelling. It's also a look at the power of helping people find their voices. And it's a great episode. Until then, uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, rate, review, leave us some feedback. Uh, It helps us get known. Thanks so much.